you know what? We're going to come around and we're going to come around the Word of God. But before we do that, I've asked Jacob if he will come and pray with us over the Word of God. Jacob, why don't you come? Okay, so we're just going to pray before John preaches. God, we ask in the name of Jesus that, that you prepare our hearts and minds for the Word that we're going to be taught today. And that you speak to us what you want us to hear and that God, through the Holy Spirit, you speak to us what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jacob. You know, one of the disadvantages of being outside and doing it on location is that we have no idea of what noise is going to happen before we actually start, or just at the very beginning is where we were starting to film. The rain came, we had to cover everything up. And, uh, you know, my problem is, is that I now have so many reflections, hopefully I won't say anything stupid or bad, but if you do, if I do, then I'll just blame it on the, all the reflections all over the place. I remember quite a few years ago, I'd, uh, I, I still have a mountain bike, but I had a different mountain bike. And the mountain bike that I had, had what we call in the UK, bear trap pedals. And they were just big, big cages that you jammed your feet into uh, to keep you going and to help you in the pedaling. I've got different pedals now, thank goodness. But I remember I was on the road and I was, I was traveling home from work and I just got new, uh, new shoes, some big, hefty outdoor shoes. And uh, what I hadn't considered is when I jammed them in, there could be a problem. So I'm riding along and I get to some traffic lights and I'm standing there on the bike in the traffic lights and suddenly I realized I can't get my feet out. And there was a car beside me, a car behind me, and a car in front of me. And literally, I did the shake, and then I just toppled sideways. It must have been, I wish, we didn't have mobile phones in those days, so it shows you how long ago it was. But I literally just went, poof, fell flat on my side. You know, the first thing, the first thing that I thought was, how many people have seen me? Not, how bad is my side hurting right at this moment? Is my bike damaged? But who's noticed what I've done? So I quickly jumped up, got back on my bike, tried to pretend like nothing had happened, but every, I could see people in the car absolutely creasing themselves, laughing. I didn't want to be noticed at that time. And there are times in our lives when we don't want to be noticed. There are times when we do want to be noticed. And have you noticed the paradox that we have at the moment in society of closed circuit television, which seems to be everywhere? You see them up on the streets, and, and sometimes we feel safer because of that. But oftentimes there's this, I don't, I don't want someone seeing everything I do. So you've got people arguing against CCTV, but then you've got people that are desperate to be on these reality TV shows like Big Brother. They want to be noticed. We've got people that don't want to be noticed, and we've got people that are desperate to be noticed. People complain. We complain about being constantly spied on. We're worried about all of these cookies that come on our computer. And it seems like you only have to mention something with Facebook somewhere in the, in the vicinity and you get ads popping up all over the place for the very thing that you've mentioned. We're noticed by the government, by the police, by CCTV. But still people are clamoring to be on these reality TV shows. Sometimes it feels like for some of these people, it's a bit like Shrek. You remember that bit in Shrek in the first one where uh, the ogre Shrek 
is looking for people to go on a quest with him and donkeys at the back going, pick me, pick me, pick me. And Shrek's looking everywhere. And have we been that person? It's like, pick me, I want to be noticed, notice me. So we've got the people that are falling off their bikes and don't want to be noticed. And then we've got the donkeys that are desperate to be noticed. Most of us actually do want to be noticed, but it has to be on our terms. We want to be in control of being noticed. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've crept into the back of church. I, I don't want people to know that I'm here. I don't want people to, to notice. I had a friend, one of my best friends now, and he, he was in church for a year before I even knew he was around. He, he told me, and he's a big guy. He'd creep in and he'd sit up on the balcony at the back in the darkness and then shoot off straight, straight as soon as church, probably even before church finished, he'd be out there because he didn't want to be noticed. And then again, we've got the stars that are actually often want to be noticed or trying to be noticed for what they do rather than what they're good at. Lady Gaga, who on earth wears a dress made of meat? And then, and then you've got Miley Cyrus wearing very little at times, trying to be noticed rather than for what they're talented for, but just, I want to be in the limelight. I want to be seen. I want to have that, that, that press releases all about me. We try to be noticed in different ways. We try to get noticed through our humor, through the clothes that we wear through our behavior, whether it's desperate to be noticed because of good behavior or using bad behavior to be noticed as well. Buying into things like X Factor and Canada's Got Talent and Big Brother. Shows like uh, we, have a, we used to have a show, it's been thankfully gotten rid of from, from the TV now, Jeremy Kyle, but people, families desperate just to have those few moments of fame and not always for good things. We want to be noticed, but we don't want to stand out. And can I say, in the room, when you come maybe next week or the week after, and you are a guest of ours, can I say, you will be noticed, but we're not going to make you stand out. We, we notice and acknowledge our guests. We want you to be noticed, to feel that you are known, but we don't want you to stand out. And those of us that want to be noticed, sometimes in our own life, we can be so desperate to be noticed that we forget to notice what's going on around us. In a second, you're going to see just a short video clip of a violin player called Joshua Bell. And Joshua is one of the world's foremost violinists. He is absolutely incredible. And he's played some of the most, some of the biggest platforms of orchestras and even as a soloist. He is a, a, an amazing musician. And this video shows Joshua is, as he's playing, I think it's in a, a New York, it's not a subway, but it's in a, in a mall somewhere. And uh, he's playing and he's actually playing this incredible, one of the most difficult pieces of music to play on a violin. And he's playing it He's playing the violin, which is worth about $3.5 million. People walk past. People are totally oblivious to the cost of this violin and the person and what's being played. 
you ever been on a journey? Driving, maybe. Done this so many times myself. And, you know, you get to the end of the journey. And because maybe you've done this journey so many times, you can't even remember what happened between setting off and arriving at the journey. It's like, did I hit someone? Did I see anything? Did I, did I, was I, what happened on this journey that was going on? We've taken no time to notice. I just want to talk just briefly about a few things that Jesus notices. You know, Jesus noticed someone's giving. If you've been around church or read any of what we call the Gospels, you might have read this story of this widow who, who came into church and almost tried to hide what she was giving. There was people putting, putting big bags of money into the offering basket and she just sidled up and put two small coins. See, Jesus noticed what, what he noticed was what other people didn't notice. See, he knew that she was giving everything she had. He knew that in this act of worship this, this woman was doing, she was giving far more in heaven's economy than anyone else was giving there. He noticed people's faith. There's an account in, in Matthew 9 of four friends who bring, who bring their paralyzed friend to meet Jesus and they get to the house and there's so many people all over the place and they're, they're there and, and, and they, they I, I, I was sort of thinking of it this from the perspective of the house owner. Suddenly you're in the house and you're listening to Jesus, you're in church and you're listening to the preacher and, and suddenly you see this dust begin to fall. I know those of us that have actually been in the building, our building while it's raining have experienced something similar fairly recently actually. But they're in the house and they're listening to Jesus and there's people crowding all, all around and there's people in the doorway and the dust begins to fall and you hear this banging and, and suddenly the roof opens up and down through the roof comes this poor guy who's paralyzed and he's let in and Jesus, Jesus notices. He doesn't just notice the paralyzed guy. What he notices is the faith of the four guys that brought him to Jesus. See, Jesus notices our faith. It's actually in Hebrews we read that faith is what pleases God. So Jesus noticed people's giving. He notices their faith. He notices the unnoticeable. Jesus goes to this pool in, uh, and it, it's called Bethesda, the place of grace, or as we can read it as well, the place of disgrace. And this is, uh, this is there, and, and it, this is in John 5. And there's a guy there, and, and the idea or the, the thinking, we don't even know what happened, how, the, how it built up, but the thinking was that if the water started stirring, it was an angel that was stirring it, and if they jumped in quick, or if they were pushed in quick, then they'd be healed. Jesus notices this guy who obviously can't get to the pool, he has no one around to help him there. Jesus notices the unnoticeable. He has no friends, yet Jesus among all the other people that were probably there, Jesus noticed this guy for his lack of relationships. I wonder why Jesus picked him out, out of all the other people. Jesus notices those who try to get to him. Some people in some of these situations, they were even being stopped getting to Jesus. Can you, can you imagine that? Can you imagine being in a place where Jesus is and you stopping other people trying to get to Jesus? 
How incredible is that? There was a woman, and we read about this woman in, in, in Mark and in Luke, actually. And, and she's actually in this situation where she's just got this constant flow of blood. She's got menstrual problems, and she had them for years and years and years. And because of the way the Jews worshipped, that actually meant that she wasn't, able to, she wasn't able to go into the temple to worship. But the very fact that she had this problem meant that she also would be, she was un, ceremonially unclean. And she, if she touched anyone else, would make them unclean as well. And so she shouldn't have even been in this crowd, yet she was so desperate to get to Jesus. So desperate to be at him. And she, she reached out reached out and touched just she didn't touch his arm she didn't touch his head she just reached out and touched the edge of his garment and she was instantly healed and it says that jesus noticed that power was gone from him. who touched me jesus noticed that this woman had touched him not that she'd made him ceremonially unclean but that she'd been healed how incredible is that? He noticed her faith, but he also noticed that it took so much courage for this woman to venture out into a crowd of people, into this place, and she, she worshipped Jesus. She would have had to bend low to touch the hem of his garment. She bent low in worship and in faith, and Jesus noticed. Jesus noticed children. And again, you, you've got to think about these, these disciples the people closest to Jesus, the ones that should have known him the most. Mark 10, 13 to 16 tells this account of parents and carers bringing their kids so that Jesus could bless them. And yet when they get there, they're stopped by this group of disciples. Why didn't they know that Jesus would be welcoming people? Surely there should have been something in, in their knowledge and their relationship with Jesus that should have told them Jesus would embrace the kids. Yet, I guess they went along with what was culture. They embraced and, and stuck with the culture of, hey, keep the kids away from the really important person. And the parents trying to get their kids noticed. And I know as a church we don't always get it right. I know that sometimes we can be a bit like the disciples, if we're honest with ourselves. That we, that we, we, try, and, we try and keep people away, not necessarily from the pastoral, but how, how, do we, how do we stop people? Are there ways that we have to think about where we can embrace those that Jesus would have put his arms around? You know, one of the things that I personally have been thinking about is, how do we embrace those and bring those people with disabilities into the center, not on the edge if they're on a wheelchair, on the edge of a, 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 a row, but how do we bring them in so that they're as front and center as we are when we sit in the pews that we have? Maybe we need to rethink and take some of our pews out. I don't know. Maybe you've got better suggestions, but how do we bring those people that Jesus embraces the most and make them the center of our congregation? Blind Bartimaeus. He knew that he he knew that Jesus, like this, like the woman with a, an issue of blood, he knew that Jesus had something for him. And he shouted, Hey, like Donkey and Shrek, pick me, pick me, Jesus, son of David. Hey, look at me, I need you. And because he was blind, 
he wouldn't have known which way he was shouting. He might have had a friend to, hey, not over there, Bart, face this way. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is over there. You've got to see the humor in the situation sometime. But he was desperate, not just to be noticed, but to have Jesus notice him. We read on in Mark that Jesus noticed him and he healed him. And then we've got Zacchaeus. I love this encounter that Jesus has in Luke 19. See, Zacchaeus was, he was actually, he wanted to see Jesus, but he wanted to be unnoticed. He wanted to be there, but he didn't want to be seen. And then at the end of this time, Jesus, Jesus says in his, in his interaction with, with uh, Zacchaeus, let me see if I can get it up on my computer. If you read Luke 19, 1 to 10, but right at the end, Jesus, Jesus unpacks his whole focus, his whole purpose, his whole cause. And he says this, for the Son of Man, that's, that's himself, came to seek and to save what was lost. That's not just a, a casual look around. That word seek there means to crave, to demand, to strive after, to aim at, or to focus on. See, Jesus, even though Zacchaeus didn't know that he needed Jesus, he just wanted to see Jesus, but Jesus actually was saying, you are the very type of person I've come to seek after, to focus on, to aim at. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've come to to watch, to be part of church. Maybe you've even been in church and you've tried to remain unnoticed, but you know that there is something here, something within the church community that you need. Jesus notices you. He's actually come specifically for you. Then we read in the Old Testament, God noticed people. as a beautiful account of Saul who God had said was going to be king and he was about to be anointed and chosen by God, anointed by the prophet as king. This is in 1 Samuel 10. And then there's this big public celebration. It's like the party to end all parties. We've got a king, the first king ever. Yes, bring out Saul. Do you remember? There's some of you that might remember the price is right. I'm, that was probably way before my time. But there was this, come on down, Cindy. And they'd come down and they'd be slapping hands. You can imagine uh, the kingmakers. Hey, Saul, come on down. Saul? Anyone seen Saul? Saul had disappeared. He didn't want all the fuss. He didn't want the, to be the center of attention. And they began looking around and eventually they find Saul hiding in the baggage, hiding where, where the things are put when people were sent to look for him to fulfill the task that God had given him. Maybe that's you. Maybe you know as a follower of Jesus that God is calling you into something, but you're hiding among the baggage. You're hiding maybe even among your own baggage. You don't understand God. I've had this happen to me. I don't have any money. I don't have, I don't have 
and you're hiding in the baggage when God is saying, but I've equipped you, I've called you, I've anointed you for this purpose. So God noticed Saul, but God also noticed Jonah. If you know the story, you've probably heard of Jonah and the whale. God called Jonah. Did you know? Here's a little, little aside. Jonah was the only evangelist in the Old Testament. He was sent to a group of people and to, to preach God, to preach judgment and repentance. The only one in the Old Testament. And what did Jonah do? He went the other way. But God found him and he brought him back to that place where he needed to be. Jonah hated his job, but God still sent him away. You know, even if you want to be unnoticed, even if you're running away, God will still bring you back. You can't run away from what God has called you to do. Let me ask you, are you trying to slip through life unnoticed? Or are you desperate to be noticed? We want to be noticed. Some of us want to be noticed because it will take away the loneliness. And I don't know if you've heard of a man called Henry Newen. But he says this, the contemporary society in which we find ourselves makes us acutely aware of our loneliness. Loneliness is one of the most universal sources of human suffering today. The roots of loneliness are very deep. They find their food in suspicion. There is no one who cares and offers love without conditions and no place where we can be, be vulnerable without being used. When we don't want to be noticed, it can often be because of a deep mistrust of people. People want to be noticed because they're lonely. People want to be noticed because we want to be valued. We are a church that places value on people. As I say, we don't always get it right. We do get it wrong, but we want to place value on each other's lives. So are you needing to be noticed because of the lack of value in your life? Let me say it again. Jesus notices you. He's the one that has placed value on your life. I believe that this message is for every single person, whether they're in this garden or whether they're listening later online. This message is for us all. If we know that we're noticed, if we know, if we're part of church and we feel valued, what my question to you is, are you noticing what's going on around you? Have you noticed the beauty that you see in other people. Maybe it's raw beauty. Maybe we, we can't hear those beautiful strains of music on the violin. But maybe we can see the rawness in the beauty in others like Jesus did. Jesus himself said, open your eyes because the fields are ready for harvest. He's actually saying to the workers, lift up your head. Take notice of the people around you because they are ready and willing and able to come to me. If you're feeling unnoticed, Jesus has seen you. You don't have to, hopefully you don't have to push through a crowd. He's already seen you and he has already laid down his life for you. You see at Circle we're building not just a, a church service, definitely not a church building, but we are building a place that we call home. A place where you are noticed, but a place where I pray, if you are a follower of Jesus, that you notice. 
The more we take our eyes off ourselves, the more we focus on Jesus, the less it actually matters whether we're noticed or not. This place, our church, Circle, should be a a cure for loneliness. It should be a place where we place value on each other's lives. It's a place of hospitality. Not just someone that says hello, and I think we have an incredible greeters team, but actually it's got to go much deeper than that. It's got to go where we notice each other as we walk in, where we are hospitable. The Greek word for stranger is xenos, and the Greek word for hospitality is philoxenia. And that word literally means loving strangers. Hospitality is not just something we do for our friends. It's actually embracing strangers as they come into our sphere of influence. It's a place where you you can walk in as a stranger, but you can walk out as a friend. Our church, not just because it's circle, but because we are like many, many other churches, a place where Jesus is. It's a place where you're noticed, valued, and given purpose. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you notice us. I thank you that you see us, that you place value on us. And God, as, we, as we've listened to your word, as we've opened our hearts to your word, Lord, I pray that it won't be just another message, but it will be something that we take in and that we outwork in each of our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. Just before we sign off, the last thing that I want to do, or not actually the last thing, one of the last things I want to do, is set, I guess, put out an invitation and a challenge for those of you that don't know Jesus. You've never made that decision, or maybe you've made that decision and gone away. I'd love to pray a prayer with you as you step into relationship or step back into relationship. So if that's you, why don't you, after this is finished, maybe send a text or or connect with someone that you know within the church. There'll probably be a place where you can uh, connect with a host online to say, yeah, that's me. I made that decision. I want to pray that prayer. So let me pray a prayer with you. If that's you, you're stepping into a, a new relationship of forgiveness, love, value. Father God, for every single person that's making that decision, whether it's a a decision they're making for the first time or a decision of stepping back into family, we thank you for their forgiveness. We thank you that you love them. We thank you that you value them. We thank you that you've noticed them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, if that was you and you made that decision, turn up at church. Come back next week, but go out and tell someone as well. Tell someone what you've done. And uh, you've stepped into an incredible, not just an incredible relationship with Jesus, but an incredible relationship with his church, his people as well, his community. Now, as we finish, I'd love to pray for all of us together into this week in what we're doing, because we are on mission. We are commissioned. We have a job to do. We have a purpose. And uh, I like to pray this at the end of every service. So let's pray together again. God, as we go into our world, whether that's even in our place where we're on holiday, at the lake, or wherever we are, in our workplace, in our family, God, I pray that you give us opportunity to speak to people about you. Maybe even to invite them to to church, to your community. I pray as you give, give us opportunity, Lord, I pray that you give us courage to take hold of that opportunity as it happens. And I pray that you give us wisdom to know what to say in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Hey, it's been a pleasure. We've had a fantastic time here. It does look very soon like the skies are gonna open, so we're gonna pack away real quick. But have a great holiday if that's where you are. Have a great week at work. Love you guys. See you next week in the room.